DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com publisher and host of the podcast of Champions. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Ryan, good morning. Welcome back into the show. Good morning. Uh, I'm trying to figure out this Pac-12 football season. I, I don't know what I'm seeing each week, but it seems <laughs> pretty crazy, which I guess kind of makes sense. It's on brand for our conference here. Ryan, when it rains in L.A. in October, you know it's a screwy year. It's so weird. We're here, and it's like, you know, you're getting ready for this, uh, you know, football game, uh, Raiders and Chargers at SoFi Stadium, and they're, like, delaying it in an indoor stadium. We're looking outside. We didn't hear anything about thunder and lightning, and it's, like, pouring outside, and, like, it was crazy. Yeah, so weird things are going on here in uh, L.A. and in the Pac-12 in general. So I'm curious what you think of a 3-2 and two USC football team. Is it as simple as they're kind of mediocre and they've lost to two pretty good teams and beaten three teams that aren't nearly as good? Do you think their play is varying week to week? What's going on? Yeah, I think all of those things. Uh, I mean, Stanford definitely better than I thought they'd be this season. Oregon State looks, you know, legit. Um, you know, but they those are teams that you could lose to but not really get blown out at home. That didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And they looked, you know, very competent against Washington State and Colorado and, and you know San Jose State, but you know, I don't know how good any of those teams are. So it's to me, it's just still there's so much up in the air. I think once you fire a head coach after two games, you had an interim. We've seen this at USC many times over the years. So you see an interim kind of take over. There's going to be some ups and downs. There's going to be some things that everyone likes, maybe better. I think the whole discipline thing early on. I mean, they only had five penalties in that first game against Washington State, and Dante Williams was like, "Hey, that's five too many." Well, they've had significantly more than that the last couple of games. And I think, you know, the preaching, the you know, new culture and discipline and all that is nice, but is it going to be able to stick? And asking an interim head coach to kind of keep a team together for at least 10 games, uh, that's a pretty big ask. So I, I think this is just going to be a, sort of a grab bag season for USC. they got some really talented players, but I don't know. From week to week, I guess it's going to be like a box of chocolates. You're just not going to sure what you're going to get. Yeah, I think you can say that if you want to go big picture. It's very accurate, obviously, when you just look at their performances. And I think almost symbolic of that, if not in fact symbolic, is the play of Slovis because he's been up and down. And I'm not sure where to go with him because I thought that he was on his way to being an NFL guy and a top draft pick. Now I'm not so sure. What do you see? Yeah, that first year, 2019, uh, when when Graham Harrell's offense came in, he just looked – uh, amazing coming off the bench, you know, after JT Daniels uh, goes down with the injury. And, you know, last year, 2020, was a weird year. We talked about his mechanics not being great. I think for the, in general, he's thrown the ball a lot better uh, this year than he had than he did last year. Just the ball coming off his hands. For the most part, it looks like you know, a much more competent thrower of the football. I think not having guys like Amon Ross St. Brown and Tyler Vaughn's as security blankets out there has hurt a little bit. And he's trying to figure out who that next number two guy's going to be. You know, Drake London is amazing. Probably, you know, maybe the best player in the Pac-12, just football player. Uh, Those kind of catches he's made are, out, uh, you know, otherworldly. He's just been amazing. But you're looking for who's that number two guy. We've seen Gary Bryant Jr., you know, catch touchdowns the last three games. Michael Trigg came on. He's got his first touchdown as a true freshman. But I don't feel like outside of, 
uh, Drake London, he knows who that next guy is going to be and maybe you know has the trust to be able to get off of London if he's got three guys on him and then and just find his next read and, and let the ball fly. So I think that's part of what's going on. But um, whenever you have Drake London to throw to, I think any of us could have been a, a decent quarterback. So we'll see if Slovis can kind of take that next step. But he still hasn't looked like he did when we saw him as a freshman in 2019. So, you're good at this. You jumped my next question off PK's question. You answered two at one, getting into the whole issue at receiver. Uh, and we have talked about London without you here, and we've both been blown away by what he's done. But that makes me think that Kyle Whittingham and uh, the defensive coaches are just going to double him. He'll be bracketed wherever he goes. Can anyone else be one-on-one coverage and make multiple big plays? I mean, Taj Washington yeah, I mean, the think- next receiver, but he's got one touchdown in five games. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, uh, you know, he, that was the first game, too. And um, he's, I like Todd Washington a lot, the transfer from Memphis. He was a freshman All-American. Uh, just watching his feet, uh, I think you need to use him a little bit different ways. Like, they, they threw, like, a fade to him in the first game against San Jose State and caught a touchdown. But he's 5'11". Like, he's not someone that uh, you're trying to throw over the top to. I think you want to catch him on a post or something, get him in space, and then let him run uh, after the catch. I think that's where he's going to be the most effective Gary Bryant jr. Is, like I mentioned, he's been, uh, you know, he's been catching touchdowns. Uh, he had the big one, um, you know, a couple games ago when, you know, Jackson dart came into the game and it just kind of, uh, generated that rally against Washington state. It was his, you know, touchdown over the middle that sort of sparked the whole Trojan football team. And I think he's someone that has that capability, but I'm curious to see what Utah does because we saw a couple years ago in the Coliseum, against Matt Fink, the backup quarterback. They played a lot of man, and that's something that USC's great receivers have been able to burn them. But now, if you can play man, but you're doubling up uh, or you know getting extra help over on Drake London, now he's still capable of making those catches. We've seen him throw up at the triple coverage and come down with the ball because he's just ridiculous that way. But I feel like there's more opportunities there to maybe play man and, and make someone like a Gary Bryant or, or a Taj Washington or a Michael Trigg out of tight end position beat you because it's they've seen some flashes there but not you know there's not proven uh production coming out of those spots outside uh, like you mentioned drake london that's proven production but the other guys i think they're sort of a you know wait and see mode to see who is the one that steps up and and becomes like the robin to his batman had a running game with ingram going over 100 against colorado the texas transfer is there something there that can be sustained or is that just colorado yeah, I think it's. I mean, Colorado's usually pretty good defensively, and uh, USC ran all over them. Um, and it was, uh, I think, it was encouraging because they, you know, Washington State wasn't that great against the run, and USC struggled the last two years, you know, running the ball there. They wanted to do like a one-two punch, uh, a one-a, one-b, uh, with Ingram and uh, Vavai Malpei, but they also have another transfer. Ingram's transfer from Texas. Uh, Darwin Barlow came on the scene last week too, and I've liked what I've seen from him. And camp, he's a TCU transfer, so a couple of Texas guys, and they got the the bulk of the, the work there. So Barlow sort of worked his way into this two man rotation that with Vavai in there as well. But he got he had much more production, though Vavai got the only touchdown on the ground last week. So I'm curious to see how they use that. They they wanted to get away from a committee, but I think it's got to, they're, you're probably going to see those three guys. Uh, running the football, but I think Ingram's kind of made it clear that he's the the guy. He's the number one uh, threat out there. He just can do a lot, and I think if you know they can get him involved in the passing game, um, and we'll see. I, they haven't run a lot uh, between the tackles. They kind of line up in a pistol sometime, and then 
bring it over to a shotgun, and they do a lot of wide runs out of that. But um, I think you might see a little bit more of that, too, just depending on how that interior of the USC offensive line plays. But Ingram's the guy, and I think he can be effective against you know most run defenses. He's, I think he's USC's uh, biggest threat right now. So the Utes have had a problem fumbling the ball. How will the USC defense be at stripping the ball? What do you think? Yeah, this, uh, it's been sort of up or down for the USC defense. We've seen you know games where they're getting in the backfield and getting three sacks, or last week they got five sacks plus a couple of quarterback tackles that ended at the line of scrimmage. They're essentially sacks. And then they have other ones where it's just barren, like they've got nothing. Uh, the other three games, like no sacks. And I think that's going to be the key to – forcing the ball out if you can get you know, some pressure in the backfield and that's it's been really hit or miss uh, for USC I think getting you know Nick Figueroa back the last couple of weeks they saw Jacob Lichtenstein have a, a breakout game with a couple of sacks against uh, you know against Colorado last week uh, and we've seen Drake Jackson really sort of been the, the catalyst for everything uh, he had a big game uh, against uh, Colorado as well I think when he's rolling and Sometimes they were dropping him the coverage, and he's just really not been involved as much. But when he's hand on the ground, getting after the quarterback, we've just seen this defense work a lot more. So I think you're, I think you'll see some opportunities to strip the football if they use him uh, more of the Ed Rusher guy, just kind of coming in and trying to disrupt everything in the backfield. Otherwise, then I think you know some of that stuff, the misdirection stuff, USC might be kind of on their heels a little bit, and that you probably won't see any kind of. Uh, you know, strip you know strip sacks or you know stripping the the running back or anything like that. So to me, I would watch the front, see if they can get some pressure up there, and if they can, there's some opportunities for turnovers. So we know Dart has returned to practice on a limited basis. Any idea when he would be cleared and ready to go? Yeah, all we get from uh, Dante Williams is week to week. So it's similar, but what you guys get from <laughs> Whittingham, maybe that's even more uh, than what you guys get on injuries. But just to see him out yesterday in uh, pads, you know, for the first time. And we've seen him walking around even, you know, days after the surgery. He looked like he was walking around, you know, fine with a little knee brace on. Um, so I, I wouldn't anticipate anything happening this week, but they go into a bye week. So my guess would be uh, he would be available for, for Notre Dame. But at this point, just to see him sort of getting back there, it, it gives you the indication that we thought it might be like a three or four week injury. But there's talk that it could have been a you know six to eight week injury. It seems like it's going to be more on the the former side where, you know, his potential, his potential to come back uh, would be against Notre Dame in a couple of weeks. It is possible to go through the schedule and say, oh, look, USC is going to finish 6-6. Uh, six and six. It's also possible to go through the schedule and say they're going to finish 9-3. and three. What are the expectations for them right now? What do you think is realistic? Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's exactly right. You could look at it like they could lose any of these games, you know, and uh, but they could they could win them all, and uh, it's crazy to look at that. Um, just the way this team has has performed up and down, just talent wise, it's there. But uh, we've seen them play well on the road. We've seen them lay complete eggs uh, at home. So that's why I think this Utah game is going to sort of tell us a lot. I mean, if it's another home loss, especially like embarrassing fashion, I mean, I think they really have to kind of look inside and say, hey, what's going on here? This is. You know, losing to a, a Stanford or an Oregon State or a Utah or two of those teams, but you lose all three at home, there, there's something that's not quite right. And you, you can't really blame Dante Williams. You, you get it. He took over this team on a Monday, just found out, walked into a meeting, and had to address his players like, hey, I'm the head coach now. So I can't even imagine what that would be like. But I think he's doing his best to put his stamp on this team 
and keep the expectations high that they've had before. I think some of the fans of you know the expectations are sort of meh. They're like they're just waiting to see who the next head coach is going to be, and maybe you know losing that game to Oregon State uh, took a little pressure off of Dante Williams because there was talk about him potentially you know taking over and and being the permanent head coach. But now I think they can just sort of focus on all right, we just got to win games and you know figure out what happens at this point. So I, I think they might play a little bit looser this season. Uh, but you're right. Is it going to be six and six? Is it going to be nine and three? Somewhere in between. I'm guessing, you know, kind of an eight and four type of uh, finish for the team, which I think would be pretty good for Dante Williams if he goes out and, uh, you know, just loses a couple games for his, you know, his interim head coach tenure. Plus, he's dealing with the death of his father, too. Yeah, I mean, that's another just kind of piled on. And, you know, when these coaches get into uh, game mode and, and season mode, it just sort of like consumes you. And then when your duties completely change and now you're running the entire program, and you have to deal with something like the death of your father. Yeah, it's it's hard to even imagine. So, uh, I mean, he's I think he's handled this extremely well for for the kind of circumstances he was put in. It's not like he was a coordinator or anything. He was a cornerbacks coach. It wasn't even like the full secondary coach. But the the fact that he's been such a good recruiter, had great relationships with most of the players that are on the roster because he recruited them. Uh, I think that's helped uh, quite a bit. But yeah, just it's amazing what he's been having to, to deal with so far this uh, short season. Well, Ryan, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and we'll just all turn on the TV and watch for three, three and a half hours and try to figure this out because it's a Pac-12 and you really don't know anything for sure. Really, we don't know. It's sort of just, yeah, this is the ultimate reality show. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I I watch this team every day, and I have no clue what's going on. So it's a weird feeling, but here we are. So it's a Pac-12. It should make it fun, though. Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com. He publishes that website. You can also hear him on the Podcast of Champions. Thanks, Ryan. Coming up, Hannah Storm, Amazon Prime Thursday Night Football announcer. Uh, That interview is about 20 minutes away, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.